Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Hello, beautiful family, beautiful Fleet Baptist family. It's a wonderful pleasure to be here again with you this morning. I don't take it for granted. It is simply the grace of God. Why on earth you want to hear from me? <laughs> so, <laughs> praise Jesus. But uh, in all honesty, I, I do. It's a real honor to, to have the opportunity to to share what's on my heart and, sh- and to continue to to um, journey through the Bible, the Word of God together, to journey with the season for us all. So that is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be carrying on our journey through Acts, going back to basics, going back to the church and what the church is meant to operate in this day and age and how it's meant to operate in this day and age and how it can be its most beneficial, most effective, not just for the lives of the body, but the lives of our neighbours, of our city, of our economy, of the, the least to the, to the most, to the smallest, to the biggest, that we would truly be all that we were created to be. And that's what we're doing by going through the book Scattered Servants as well, where we're truly equipped to be scattered servants in the environment around us to the fullest potential, which is what we're going to go through. And I appreciate your grace. I appreciate your your love. Um, we do as a family, um, and we're so grateful for each and every one of you. Um, today is a subject is something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I love I love the subject of, of what I'm going to be talking about today. So bear with me if I speak too quickly, or if I go down rabbit holes. It's not my intention, but sometimes that's just my the way my mind is um, is just, it just ticks. So bear with me, and we'll we'll have some fun. So let's get going, shall we? Let's get going. It's, it's, it's impossible to read your Bible from front to back and not see a missional purpose in there, to not see a missional purpose for the people of God, for the, for the line of Abraham or for the, the new covenant that Jesus puts in place. It is impossible not to find a missional purpose for you and me in there and for those people. And for us, we read and we see the life of Jesus Christ, God himself on earth, the full imitation of God, fully equal with God, his life was living out uh, of complete and utter love, pouring out actions, pouring out healing signs, wonders in the culture around him, affecting every life that came to him, whether it was the Pharisees, whether it was the Romans, whether it was the tax collectors, whether it was the the, the prostitutes, whether it was the people that, that stank, Jesus was with them all. He went to all people. And loved all people. And today, looking through Acts, we're going to be looking at the culture that Jesus set and actually poured into his disciples to carry on through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is obviously all about the Acts of the Apostles. And you know, words only go through so far. The Word of God is alive and active. We know this. It's as sharp as a double-edged sword. We know the Bible is alive. It's supernatural food for our spirits, for our souls. It leads us closer to God. But if you're relying on the Bible to lead you into your relationship with God, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to fall short of your, the full extent of your relationship with God. If I just read um, Tony Blair's autobiography, it tells me a lot about Tony Blair, but it doesn't mean I know Tony Blair. So it comes into a point where we must develop our relationship with God, which is something we're going to talk about later. But for right now, we're going to looking at the acts of the apostles and how our acts must follow our words. And of course, words are powerful, but we're looking at how our actions speak volumes. And for a lot of us, and for myself, we often remember 
how people made us feel. You think about times of trauma or excitement or times in our lives when we just actually feel, we just, the, the actions speak volumes to us. And we often don't remember words, but we remember the actions because we know actions speak louder than words. And it is our prayer that when we're fully alive and fully effective in the equipping of the Holy Spirit, that the people will see us, will encounter everybody in this church and be like, I felt so loved, I felt so seen, I felt so heard, I felt so alive. From the Spirit moving in us and letting our actions flow to change the world around us. And that's exactly what we see within the book of Acts. It's exactly what we see in the book of Acts. It wasn't just a mere absorbing and a mere being entertained each week. But there was a there was a following where they received and they went. They received and they went. And they'd come together every day in the temple courts, and then they would follow and they would flow into the nations. And we know a biblical principle of church is not to come to a gathering every Sunday to have your ears tickled or to be entertained and then just go about your lives as if nothing happened. But a biblical foundation for church is to meet together in fellowship, in communion, in worship, in the presence of angels, in the presence of heaven, and then carry on and let that flow into every other aspect of your life, in your workplace, in your home, in your dentist, in your doctor surgeries, wherever it may be, that that atmosphere of heaven would be so entwined in everything we do and everywhere we go and everything that we're a part of, which is the design of heaven. This is the design of the early church. Church was something that started on Sunday or, or Friday probably and went through every day after that. And that's the goal for us as a church, that we would be kingdom people in every way, shape, or form. There's a businessman I, I like to uh, hear from, and there's a story of him once in his office. And he was, he was the boss, he is the boss of this company, and he was just enjoying some time, just praying, speaking in tongues, and praying in the spirit, and he was just having a great time, he says, and he was just engaging the things beyond what the eyes can see and just communing with God. And out of the overflow of that, out of that, over the, out of the overflow of that situation, a few moments later, a lady walked into his office who, because of his, such, his depth that he was encountering in that moment in his office, in the workplace, he, got, he saw something that was on this lady. He saw an experience of the, that this lady had had in the past and he got to minister to her and, and release the love of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the workplace, in his office to people. We cannot just keep it to the four walls of this building. We are called to be missional people. We are called to let our love burst from within us and show it our acts towards the world around us. So what does this look like for us today? What were the actions that Jesus caused us to put to fall? What are the actions that Jesus tells us to imitate? What are the actions that Jesus had that he tells you and I to imitate? So the actions that he tells us to do and he tells the disciples to do in Matthew 10 are to heal the sick. Heal the sick. You know, and you've heard this before, but he doesn't say pray for the sick. He says heal the sick. So that means a tweaking of our prayers from, dear God, I pray this person would be healed. And yes, that's, God loves our prayers. He loves hearing from us. He loves the posture of our prayers. But as Martin spoke about last week, we have authority. So stand in your authority and say to this sickness, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out. And in fact, anybody listening now, I command any sickness in the name of Jesus to be gone. In this moment, I command complete healing in the name of Jesus. 
and I speak healing to you. So Jesus' commands, heal the sick, raise the dead. You know, I was at a funeral a few years ago, and I remember thinking, what would happen if I got up there and raised the dead? How amazing would that be? How amazing would that be? How weird and crazy and scary would that be? But how amazing would it be if I just went up and raised the dead? And that's exactly what it was like with Jesus. And it is a call for us, a biblical principle that God himself causes us to do and he lived himself and tells us to do within that context. And this this stuff may be challenging, but this stuff is Bible. This isn't my own perspective. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. The word of God is challenging. And we could even interpret that into spiritually, you know, raising the spiritually dead. There are a lot of people that are spiritually dead, dead and buried, but need waking up. He says to cleanse the lepers. Again, that comes into healing the sick. Cleanse those leopards. <laughs> Sorry, I did it again. I said in the earlier, earlier one I did, I said leopards. And I think I just said leopards again. Cleanse those lepers, lepers. You can, you can cleanse leopards if you want. I'm sure they need cleaning. Um, but cleanse those lepers. Have the faith to cleanse those lepers. Drive out demons was another one. Another call for us as Christians and sons and daughters of God to stand in our God-given authority and to drive out demons. Church, you need to know that demons are afraid of you. And they want you to be afraid of them, which a lot of people are. And it, 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 is a, it is a scary world out there. <laughs> it is, but it doesn't mean you should be afraid of them. Because God has given the authority to stample on snakes and to cast them out in his name by the power of his blood, by the power of his name. It's a call that we must all have, which takes many name, which takes many forms. Deliverance takes many forms, which is a story for another day. But we're called to drive out demons. And with all of them, miracles, signs and wonders are meant to flow from your very fingertips, from your lifestyles, are meant to, that miracle signs and wonders are meant to flow because God is wonderful and he is full of wonder. And as children of God, we're called to live out of wonder. We are called to have miracles in our lives daily. Daily. And let me tell you, what I believe is one of the source, the key sources for Jesus' miracles and for the disciples' miracles. They didn't do it for a performance or to feel good about themselves or to boost their ego or to push their self on social media to say, look what I've done, who am I? But their motivation was always love. Their motivation was always compassion. So church, I'd encourage you, don't go after miracles, go after love. Go after Jesus and the rest will follow. There's a, there's a man called uh, Mel Tari who was part of the Indi- Indonesian revival. And... Um, Part of them was doing missions, out going to reach un- unreached people groups. And in order to get to this unreached people group, they had to cross this river. And for them, they just walked across the river because it was ankle deep. They get to the other side of the river and they meet the people group and they're amazed, utterly amazed that they, they made it to them. They made it to them because according to the people group, that river is about 20 foot deep and you shouldn't have made it across. <laughs> But for them, they had no idea. It was ankle foot, ankle foot, ankle deep for them walking across the river because their motivation wasn't the miracle. Their motivation was love and reaching people for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. Are you with me? So pursue love and the rest will follow. So they are the actions. They're the actions of the early church. They're the actions of Jesus that we must not settle for. and We will not settle until we're walking in there, until we are operating that fully as a church. Because this is, the, this is the call of the Bible. This is the call of the word of God. 
Now, what was the message? Jesus tells his people to go over the message, to tell them that the kingdom of God is near. And if the kingdom of God was near 2,000 years ago, how much nearer is it today? Time is ticking. And there is almost an urgency that is needed for us within our hearts to deliver this message that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. He says, go and tell the people the kingdom of God is near. And he says, make disciples of all nations. Now, church, I want to encourage you that it's going to be very hard to make disciples if you can't disciple your inner world yourself. And I'm not saying be perfect. I'm not perfect, but I'm saying it has to start with ourselves. It has to start with being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then it starts with our families, our homes, our neighbors, our towns. How can we expect to, to govern everything around us if we can't govern the thing within us, the things that go on within us? And the call of the word of God is to go to the nations. But church, I want to encourage you, let's, let's, go, let's, let's disciple our neighbors, let's disciple our people around us. It's important to notice though as well that that word disciple isn't the word convert. Jesus didn't say go and make conversions. He said disciple people, mold people, walk with people, love people, teach them, rebuke them, disciple them in, in any way, shape or form. Do as I've done to you and rebuke people. Walk with them over a journey of years. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes moments, but we're called to disciple and this is the message the kingdom of God is near repent for the kingdom of God is near repent change the way you think change the way you respond change the way you see we should always be transforming and that ties into what Peter's message was in the book of Acts Acts 2 verse 38 Okay, so Peter, full of the Spirit, addresses the crowd, delivers this incredible sermon straight from the mouth of God. And you've got a group of thousands that have, that have come. And what is, what is their response? Similar to the response of the Ninevites that took them all by surprise. They actually wanted to change. They, want, they, they were afraid of the message they received. And they said, okay, what, what do we do? And they repented, much to everyone's surprise. Nobody expected the Ninevites to repent and actually turn to God. And the same thing happens here with these people in Acts. And they say, brothers, what shall we do? Peter responds with this. Repent and turn to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, repentance is an invitation to transformation. And this is the whole theme that we've been going through as a church for a long time, for the last few years, and we will continue to go on being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, you know, you're gonna, we're going to struggle to do this thing. We're going to struggle to make disciples. One, if you don't know who you are, let me just say, it's going to be a, very, a real struggle to disciple if you, if you don't feel worthy enough, you don't feel good enough, because you don't feel like you've got enough to give out, or why would people want to be discipled by you, or why would people want to hear from you, or hear your wisdom, or hear your love? It's not a great starting place, and understand these are all real things. And I'd encourage you to go back to the beginning. Don't rule yourself out. It doesn't mean you can stop, but I believe you just go back to the beginning of who God says about you, what he calls you, who you are as a son and daughter of Christ what the truth is about who you are. A lot of people don't even attempt it because they don't feel worthy enough. 
which is the call for us. And, and for us, a lot of people don't even attempt to go out on the streets because they write themselves off even beforehand. Oh, I, I can't do this. I, I can't do I, I'm not an extrovert. I don't have this way about me. And they write themselves off beforehand, which doesn't align with the truth about who God says you are and what God says you can do. And he loves you no matter what, of course he does. But like I say, this is a call for all of us that we can't escape. And I want to just unpack a little bit of the secret that I've found that's helped me. For a long time, for many years, people have called me an evangelist. People have said, yeah, Nathan's an evangelist, that's, and that's fine. And I, and I might well be. But to me, I don't see myself an evangelist. I don't label myself as an evangelist. For me, it's as simple as this. Jesus saved my life. Jesus met me and encountered me in a way that I can't even describe. And I, I cannot help but tell people about Jesus because I just love him and he just gets better and better and better and better. And the more I encounter him, the more I long to know him. So it's, for me, it's not about being an evangelist or not. For me, it's about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And it's impossible to hold that back. It's impossible to not want to tell people that. Because the more you find them, the more you transform yourself, and the more you just can't hold it in anymore. It's, it, it's similar, but it's not to a good book, a, some good food, a good movie, a good, a good experience. You want to tell people, you do a review, say, this was amazing. I would highly recommend it. And when we encounter Jesus and know Jesus to the full extent of all that he is and all that, all that we can, it's impossible to not want to tell people about where we found freedom, where we found salvation, where we found healing, where we found wholeness, where we found intimacy, where we found eternal life. It's impossible to keep it to yourself when you've experienced the fullness of it for yourself. Impossible. So many times within the Gospels where people's responses of Jesus encountering them turn into outreach, turn into community, turn into turn to community, sorry. You've got the paralyzed man in one, Mark 1, 4, 3, and Jesus says to him, don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone about this because he, he, it wasn't his time to be revealed. He said, don't tell anyone about this, but the man couldn't help it. He'd been healed, for goodness sake. He'd been healed. Jesus, I can't help it. I need to tell people I've been healed. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lame, but now I walk. I can't help it. It just it flows and overflows from within me because Jesus has changed my life. The woman at the well in John 4, 28 and then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. After dialogue, relationship, hearing, receiving, speaking to God himself, this Samaritan lady goes to her town and can't help but keep in the good news. Can't help, but keep the ex can't help but explode of her experience of what had just happened with her and the creator of the universe. She couldn't help but keep it in. And for so many of us, we, we, we burn for a season. We burn for a season. We burn for six months or for a couple of years. And then we just get tame a little bit. And... 
And we just we kind of just get disappointed and beat up, and you know, that happens in life. But it really takes something special. It really takes someone ordained and set apart, which is completely possible by God, to burn for a lifetime, which is exactly what the disciples did. They burnt for a lifetime. It's easy to burn for a season. It's easy. But burn for life. And I feel like so many of us, myself included, we kind of just settle, okay? We've received salvation We've seen a few testimonies. We know the Father, heart of God, and we just kind of settle for this level. And this must be it. This is it. This, is, this must be Christianity. But God is like, no, there's so much more. There's so much more. If you just choose to enter in, if you choose to ask me, I want to pour out, just ask me and it will happen. Just knock and the door will be opened. Church, don't settle for this. Don't just settle for this level of comfortability. Pursue the things of the kingdom. Do you know that the veil was torn in two that you may enter into the holy place, that you may enter into the heavenly realms? You may be where God is and you don't have to die to be there. This is true. This is the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. And the more you encounter him, the more impossible it is to keep it to yourself. And I believe that's exactly what happened with the apostles. That's exactly what happened with Paul. He encountered Jesus. He saw his face and he couldn't hold back. And they even laid down their lives. They laid down their lives. And church, when we truly press in when we truly step into a whole new level of relationship with Jesus, that reality, heaven's reality, becomes our greatest reality. And that is when the fear of God outweighs the fear of man. So when we go out on the streets, we are driven by this spiritual atmosphere, not this atmosphere. Because we don't care if we look like the fool. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not afraid of looking foolish because we know that heaven is cheering us on. Countless times I've made a fool of myself. But almost every time I hear heaven going, yes, Nathan, yes. And church, this is available for you and for me and for this church. And you've heard this sermon, you've heard this this sermon a thousand times, but church, I want to encourage you, let's not settle. Read the Scattered Servants books if you want modern day testimony of this. Read the Bible if you want testimony of this. There's, There's a ton of it in there. But God wants to move through you. He wants to change this church. He wants to change this town. He wants to use you to be effective for signs and wonders to flow from you. But more than anything, more than any of that, he wants you. He wants deep relationship with you, which I can promise you is accessible. I can promise you is available. Because he loves you and you're worth it. You are so worth it. Let's pray, shall we? My God, my God, my God. Jesus. Jesus, 
You are so worthy. And Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray, I pray, take us up, take us in, captivate us, Father. Take us back to our first love. May we burn with an uncontainable fire, Lord, that no man can put out, no opinion can put out, no circumstance can put out, Father, that we would burn so brightly and so powerfully, Father. Holy Spirit, may heaven invade our lives, may heaven invade this church, that we wouldn't just fit the status quo, but we would be different. We would be a heavenly people. And Jesus... You are so irresistible. You are so beautiful. May we see your face. May we know your heart. Take us into deep places of intimacy with you, Father, that we won't be able to help but tell people. We won't be able to help but say, hey, you need Jesus, and I know the way to him. You need eternal life, and I know the way to him. Father, I pray this in your precious name. Please change me, God. Please change me. Please change us. Take me further, Father. Take me in. And Father, take us in, Father. May we not settle for the status quo, but take us deeper. In Jesus' holy name, we stand and we pray. Amen.